Greetings, film fans. How goes it? Welcome into another episode of the Second Day Film Podcast. It is the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. Very happy to be with you on Thursday, August 18th, 2022. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, joined as always by the movie maestro Mike Nichols from deep in the heart of Texas. Mike, what is up, my friend? Uh, I don't know how this slipped my mind, but it just occurred to me that you live in the same town as South by Southwest. Uh, did, did you check that out at all this past year? Uh, I didn't spend as much time as I would like to at South by Southwest, but yeah, there's always stuff that happens in the city. Uh, next year is definitely going to be the year I try to spend more time at it. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, like, we, we literally do a film podcast and one of the biggest, you know, movie uh, festivals in the world is in your hometown. We need to do like some correspondent action or something from down there. You know, you got to let us know the, the sneaky films premiering. We'll, we'll prep and we'll try and we'll try next year. It's true. That's the nice thing about festivals is usually they happen every year. So if you miss something or mess up, you've always got that chance the next year. Uh, pandemics notwithstanding. <laughs> you know, when I look back on when COVID first hit and like, when did we realize like, oh, whoa, everything's going to change? For me, it actually was the South by Southwest announcement because I remember hearing different things about COVID around the world, but I wasn't really sure how much it was going to impact like American lives or my day to day life. And then when I remember hearing they shut down South by Southwest, I was like, whoa, like no one just no one is going to give up that much money, like unless this is very serious. And that's when I realized we were going to have some big shifts. And then I think it was like the next day or a couple days later, like, Tom Hanks had it and then we're like, oh no, yeah. like the NBA shut down. It's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Like this is happening. This is gonna be our lives. Yeah. yeah I'll never forget that day. That was the first thing. I'll always think about I'll, that. I'll never forget like some guy like running out onto the court and like and stopping an NBA game because like one of the players may or may not have tested positive or like all the college basketball tournaments getting ready to tip off and then literally all of them just getting called off right before tip. It was it was wild, man. And I, I believe it or not, I had a buddy say, oh, this will be over in two weeks. So <laughs> that was comical. Try two years. It's still not over technically. So. I remember. Anyways. I, yeah, I remember a friend saying like, hey, man, I think this is going to last till April. I was like, April? Like, yeah. that's insane. How I got this- a vacation in June. Are we going to be able to yeah. go? <laughs> yeah, it's like, anyway. oh, man. Anyway. Let's not dwell on that. I don't, I don't, let's not dwell on the past here. Let's look forward. Yeah. Uh, we, we did plenty let's, of COVID shows if you want to go check those out. Let's imagine, if you will, a better way. Imagine yeah. there's no heaven. <laughs> let's All right, we'll come, imagine the pod. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll leave that up to you. I'm not, I don't know if the singing pipes are quite ready right yet, but uh, coming up on today's show, we are going to review. Four films that have come out recently this year. Uh, Most of them are on streaming now, I believe. I believe uh, all but one of them is on streaming. So uh, if you haven't seen these and you like what you hear, uh, really easy for you to go to go uh, watch them. uh, Enjoy what we're doing. You can interact with us on Facebook. You can check out our old episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Give us a rating or review if you feel like it. Email us, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Love talking shop, love talking film. So, Mike, you ready to get into this? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. We're going to start things off with Disney Pixar's latest. Uh, It's called Lightyear. 
Um, that name should sound familiar uh, to you, but while spending years attempting to return home, marooned space ranger Buzz Lightyear encounters an army of ruthless robots commanded by Zerg who are attempting to steal his fuel source. This film was directed by Angus McLean, and we have uh, Captain America himself, Chris Evans, uh, taking over the voice talents uh, from Michigan's own Tim Allen. Um, which when I first heard that, Mike, I was a little confused. I'm like, what the heck? Why are they ditching Tim Allen? Like, this is an iconic character. But then, of course, we got more details that this this movie, Lightyear, is actually a movie that exists within the Toy Story world. So that's, you know, call it a retcon, call it whatever. But I thought that was a clever way to kind of work it into the world of Toy Story and to explain away the different voice actor. Whereas the Tim Allen voice is like a toy based on this movie. Which kind of confuses me because didn't they already do that? Like, yeah, I there remember was the animated series. Yeah, there was the animated show Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, and there was like a little movie. So I, I was like, I thought they already did that, but no, they just want to yeah. do a picture version, which is fine. They can do what they want. But <laughs> yeah, I like, so I. I didn't mind it. I mean, once I got past that little thing, I'm like, oh, you know, and they even started out like in 1995. Uh, a boy named Andy got a toy about based on his favorite movie. This is that movie. So I was fine with that. I thought that was a cool setup, a way to connect it without to the toy story world, without like doing some sort of ridiculous retcon or working in some weird angle that wouldn't make sense within, you know, the four films of toy story. This movie, Mike was, I'm not going to say it's one of Pixar's best. It's 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 kind of different than a lot of, you know, we've been in, in recent films we've been reviewing from Pixar, you know, turning red Luca, other films like that, it's sort of been uh, us talking a lot about the Pixar formula, and they've all sort of sort of followed the same thing. This movie doesn't really do that. I mean, it obviously has elements of Pixar in it, but it's it's very action heavy. I I, I feel like incredible the Incredible films maybe the only Pixar movies that could compare to this on an action level, and because it's so action heavy, because it really is like a space adventure. I do think it loses some of the heart that we're used to in these Pixar movies. Not that it doesn't have some of that, because it does, um, but it definitely has a different vibe than other Pixar films we've seen recently. Yeah, you're definitely right that this is a lot more focused on like the the action of Buzz Lightyear's life. Um, there's not even a lot of, I would say, like character growth like there there is some where buzz has to learn to work together with people but you know other than that it's really just one action scene after action scene after action scene and it's it's very well done it's very entertaining but when you're done with it you're like okay like (laughs) and i know that we're you know men in our 30s this really isn't for us i think probably kids would have a really fun time at this movie But even there, I don't know that this will be any kid's favorite just because it doesn't really it doesn't really have that much heart to it. It just kind of feels like a generic action movie that's very colorful that has, you know, Buzz Lightyear now basically being Captain America. Like it's Chris Evans voice. It's a story about this super powered, like, you know, like military-esque hero who then has to go back in time and time travel and watch everyone get older and it's like okay there's just what if buzz lightyear was captain america and he had to work together with other people it's and it's very action heavy that's kind of what it seems like to me which is fine i don't i think the movie got a lot more like hate than it deserved especially it was like why isn't tim allen doing it honestly i think it's kind of funny a little bit the idea that tim allen's voice is like 
the, the the B actor who they got to just do the toy the toy lines. Like, there's a little bit of a joke there. I think that's kind of funny. But yeah, uh, yeah overall, this one is it's just a, a fun action movie for kids, but it doesn't have more than that, like all the other Toy Story films do. Yeah, and I agree that um, you know I think the hate went too far on this. I just watched this today, and I was seeing some of the reviews, and I think it's got like a five something on IMDb, and I see people yeah. just absolutely panning it. And I'm like, well, I didn't think it was that bad. Like it was no, still it fun wasn't. to watch. It was still enjoyable. Yeah. It still looked amazing. I mean, the animation. If you compare this to the 1995 Star- Toy Story, I think it would be really a stark comparison to see how far the animation has come, but. You know, you mentioned there's not a lot of character building in this, it, or at least uh, character growth. I, I did think there was some, and you just mentioned it. Like, obviously, the framework is, uh, you know, Buzz has to learn how to trust others and work with others. And I did like that symmetry between this Buzz and the toy Buzz, because it sort of does mirror the journey yeah. that Buzz goes through in the original Toy Story. Yes. Um, you know, it, it, you obviously see the comparisons in the way they talk, where the toy... Uh, Buzz talks like this guy. So I did appreciate sort of that symmetry between the two characters. And, you know, there's a link there. Um, I don't know why, because usually I hate when there's like direct callbacks to things. But for some reason, I would have just loved a shot of like Andy watching this movie. Maybe even even if it was like at the start, like if that's how it started, you know, Andy's in a movie theater and then we go into it. I don't know why. Maybe just to draw it back. I would have liked that. But, you know, that's just a minor quip. Um, overall, I thought it was very well done uh, from an animation standpoint. The movie yes. looks amazing. I mean, we expect that from Pixar. It was a lot more of a straightforward origin story than I was expecting. I really thought that we were going to get more, like when the movie starts and they're automatically lost on this planet, I thought that was going to be like a prologue sort of. And then we were going to go back to like base and then the, the adventure was going to start. It was like, no, we were just thrown into that adventure right away and we never really left it. Did you feel like the film had like three starts? Like, you know how everyone says Lord of the Rings has like four endings? I feel like this movie had like three starts a little bit where it's like you see him go on the mission and then, oh no, now he's back. No, now he's going to go back in time and do it all over again. Okay. No, now he's like with all the new people and now he's marooned. I'm like, which Buzz is marooned on a different place is the real start of this movie. (laughs) Because they have that like probably three times and then the first like... 15 minutes or so but uh and we also see the same scene like 10 times when he's you know trying to reach hyperspeed and he's getting shot around the planet or whatever like how many times did we see that but i guess the i guess the question with this movie is like who was it made for because it's obviously not made for 30 something it's made for families toy story is huge kids love buzz lightyear he's one of the most popular characters out there so i get why they made this But the movie doesn't feel super directed at kids because of the action elements, because of the sci-fi elements, because of the, um, you know, sort of the the military background of it. Like, really, the only elements that are super like kid friendly is kind of like the AI cat. You know, that's that's kind of one of the elements that is obviously trying to appeal to kids, which I actually didn't mind the AI cat. I thought that was kind of funny. The cat was entertaining to me. Um, But I think this movie does sort of it almost feels like it's more marketed towards like tweens you know like 14 year olds more so than like you know elementary kids but that's an interesting choice to me because buzz lightyear is like universally loved by little kids yeah it is hard to know like who is this movie for and and also why like why did we why did we need this movie right now pixar is so creative there's so much imagination um 
you know, for all things that they probably could be doing and, and could have thought of, like, why do we need a Buzz Lightyear origin movie when we already had a cartoon series that was a Buzz Lightyear origin? I don't know. It just, I, I feel like Pixar was probably forced to do this just because Buzz Lightyear sells toys or whatever. But uh, yeah, like it's, it's definitely not their most creative film, but it does look great. And it, you know, it has a good equation, character A plus B equals C, you know, it's, it's fine. I would give this yeah. a B minus. I would give this a B, B minus. Disney Pixar's Rex coming March 2026, Mike. Uh, <laughs> no. um, oh, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> potato, uh, as long pota- as we, potato, yeah, head. potato head. <laughs> That's all it's called. Yeah. Slinky Dog, uh, May t- 2027. Uh, yeah. yeah. As long as we don't get origin stories for every single one of these Toy Story characters, I guess I'll allow it. The villain also didn't work for me because it, you know, spoiler alert, but it, it ends up being Buzz, which. I guess it's kind of interesting because in the movie, Buzz's own worst enemy is himself. So to see that sort of represented on screen, I guess makes sense. But like, I was kind of fired up to see like the real Zerg in this, you know, and we never got that. So I was a little let down by that. I mean, I I guess they were trying to make a statement about how Buzz, you know, the path that he was going on, if he kept obsessing about this mission instead of realizing that he's been home all along, I guess that fits thematically. But I was just a little let down by the big bad there. Uh, as well so but overall i did not think this movie deserved the hate that it's been getting um i gave it a seven out of ten it looks beautiful and you know chris evans i think does a a good job i I don't think that he's like out of place listening to him as buzz lightyear um so you know not pixar's best we're not going to put it in like the holy pantheon of up and toy story 3 and coco and, and movies like that but uh very well i mean it's still pixar so I would say definitely check it out. All right. Let's keep pressing on, shall we? Uh, as my animals are in the background going crazy. It's, it's perfect podcasting over here when your, your cat and dog are going nuts in the background. Uh, <laughs> but let's move away from uh, the real life story of Buzz Lightyear to a real life story that, you know, really is somewhat fresh in our memories. Uh, this is a film that just debuted on Amazon Prime. It's called 13 Lives. It's directed by the great Ron Howard, and it dramatizes the rescue mission uh, in Thailand, where a group of young boys and their soccer coach were trapped in a system of underground underground caves that are flooding. Uh, This film stars Viggo Mortensen, Colin Farrell, Joel Edgerton, uh, among others. And Mike, like, I remember when this was coming. I think it it wasn't that long ago, right? Four years ago when this was happening. So, you know, Mm -hmm. how often do we hear that sort of... uh, when people say, when things happen in real life, you know, they say, oh, this was made for Hollywood, right? Yeah. Never has that been more true than with this incident. This is an absolutely mind-blowing rescue story. So, yeah, I think I think most of us remember from the news the story about, like, the 12 boy, the soccer boys and their coach who got trapped in the cave in Thailand and then the divers had to go down and rescue them. I think we all knew, oh, that story and, oh, they got the boys out. Yeah, great. But I don't think most of us actually knew how they got the boys and the the coach out. And also just how insane of a situation it actually was. And for me, that's what this movie did was it revealed to me actually what did happen as part of the process. Because I had no idea, no idea that they had to go through the stuff they did to get these boys out. Um, You know, this movie definitely is a straight like 
step-by-step account of, okay, here's what happens. Here's who's there. Here's what they try. This doesn't work. Then they try this. Like there, there's really not, I know we were just teasing out Buzz Lightyear has no character development. This movie is really almost just a documentary as a film. Like there's not a lot of strong character work or anything, but it, it almost doesn't matter because it's so interesting. The first time you watch it, you're like, this is just, I cannot believe this happened. I cannot believe these people figured this out. I cannot believe they got every single person out safely with the, you know, tragic exception of the one uh, tie diver who did, you know, pass away, like trying to set up the, the route for them. But, you know, based on what they were facing, one death of one of the divers is like, that's actually an incredible low body count compared to what they were likely you know, expecting to deal with. Um, right. But yeah, the story is just, the story grips you, even if, you know, the, the characters don't really grip you, but that's, you know, it's it's a it's it's just trying to tell the story of how they rescued the boys. Very, it's very much like Apollo thirteen in that way, which of course Ron Howard directed. So, yeah, yeah I was thinking of Operation Mincemeat that we just reviewed last pod. I mean, it's the same mm-hmm. sort of thing where it's exactly it's a very straightforward story where it's just trying to inform you of what happened. I was totally fine with it, and honestly, like I think Ron Howard, the director, and uh, William Nicholson, the screenwriter deserve a lot of credit because this actual cave rescue took place over 18 days. And obviously there's a lot of things happening over 18 days where when you're trying to cut it down into a digestible two hour movie, uh, you can't show every single thing, but I think that they do a great job of, of editing down this film to where we see the key points. We see how things developed. We see how the ideas developed. We see how the execution happened. And that's a credit to the filmmakers because they made it very digestible. And even though this is something that was all in our consciousness, uh, you know, while it was happening and it's obviously a true event that we know how it ends, I still found myself just like gripped the whole time, like just so engaged with what, what I was watching on screen. I mean, the movie looks great. It looks amazing. I liked seeing all the little details. The attention to detail in this was amazing. Um, And again, with Ron Howard, the the DPs, the cinematography team, they did an amazing job of sort of um, pulling the audience into this struggle um, because you feel cholesterophobic when you're watching this movie. You know, like it does an amazing job with camera angles, whether it's using unique filming techniques to like shoot down from the top of caves or up from under the water. There's tons of underwater photography in this, just the environment that we're put in. We feel like we're right there in the cave with the rescuers. And it, it honestly has a huge effect on how you feel when you're watching the movie. Yeah. They did a really good job of putting you in the position of, Hey, this is what it would feel like if you were this deep mm-hmm. underwater like in a cave with no light, like this is what it's like. But I think they also did a good job of providing, providing enough light in the way that they shot it so that it didn't kind of like, it wasn't hard to follow. Like I think some movies or, you know, some things where they want it to feel so natural that you actually can't follow what's happening very well. Or you can't hear it very well. And I know someone's like, well, that's the point. It's like, yeah, but we're still watching a movie. Like we want to be able to yeah. understand what we're engaging in. And this movie did a good job of showing you just how miserable and harsh and impossible the physical situation felt while still allowing you to see the physical situation and navigate it with the people. Um, yeah. If you, if you were squeamish about being underwater in a dark cave, like miles below the surface, like this is, this is a movie that's going to give, 
give you a lot to think about. So, yeah. I, I imagine even making this movie must have been a little terrifying. I mean, I'm sure oh, yeah. they're using stunt guys and obviously they're not, you know, putting themselves in danger. But if you want to, you know, it looks like they're doing a lot of practical effects or practical stunt work within to make this movie. And, you know, that couldn't have been, you know, that's kind of scary, even for the actors being put in some of these situations, uh, you know, where they got to stick their heads up in a slow area or whatever. Uh, they probably uh, if you're claustrophobic, you probably weren't getting a, getting a call back on this one. So actually I did watch a couple of behind the scenes things and apparently a lot of, not all, but a lot of the diving shots were actually the real actors. Like they all went and took diving classes and uh, they did a lot of those own shots. That's really a lot. A lot of those shots are really those guys. Like Viggo Mortensen. The Tom Cruise effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but you know, like I said, it's a very intense movie, even though we know how it ends. And and at the end, like Mike, I got emotional when they when they all left the cave and everyone oh, was yeah. cheering. And this movie really like I think what it did better than anything, even though it could have been a huge tragedy, is it left me with a very good feeling because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a great example of like what we can accomplish when we come together. You know, yeah. not as not as countries or secular groups, but as just as the human race, because right. you had people from like 20 countries, like over a thousand people, people just showing up just because they wanted to help in like in 2022, where our politics are as divisive as ever. You know, we just went through a pandemic where people were at each other's throats. There's a war in Ukraine still going on. But this film kind of restored a little bit of my faith in humanity because it was a reminder that. There are so many, so many good people in the world who who just wanted to help in this specific situation. And it just reminded me, like, we are capable of greatness when we just come together and put all the other stuff aside. Absolutely. This is really going to be a movie that I think if you watch it, you'll you'll feel inspired. Um, and, you know, also much respect and rest in peace to the the, the real life seal, the, uh, Thai Navy SEAL who, who drowned. Um, as part of that, there rest- was a second guy who died from bacteria too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, someone else died from being from the the bacteria in the water that they all had to deal with, and just yeah. so many people sacrificed. Like whether it was, like you said, all the volunteers who were removing the water on top, or the farmers who I guess I don't know like how true that that aspect is, but when they had to divert well, they, the water into the farmers, they said they were compensated by the government in the <clears throat> in the postscript. So yeah. I assume that happened. But yeah, there were so many people who made sacrifices, which is really cool to see. Because I think so many, I don't know, like it, it's it's nice to see a movie where there's not, just not one star. Like it wasn't just, you know, oh, the, the other divers came. It's like, no, but all those people were heroes too in their own way. All those people rescued those boys too. And I did like that, you know, they showed a lot of respect to the, the Thai um, divers who were there, to the Thai people. Um, you know, they all, they all use their language, which I thought was kind of cool. Like all those scenes are just in subtitles, but they let them speak in Thai. I just think that was a really nice touch. Um, so yeah, like Champa saying, this is a movie that you see a lot of different people come together just to help out. And it's, it's good to see. I give this movie a B plus. I'm at an eight out of 10. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, just, just, just a, an entertaining watch, but one that's also going to really open your eyes and, and leave you with a good feeling, which, we can never have enough of that, but it's obviously a well-made movie um, by, by a legendary director, and I'm glad Ron Howard decided to take this subject matter on. Uh, that's the film 13 Lives, and it is on Amazon Prime now. So moving forward uh, with another movie that's streaming that you can go watch right now, it's a film called The Gray Man. It's an action 
uh, globe trotting uh, film a la, you know, 007 or Mission Impossible, or at least it tries to be that. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that in a sec. But uh, the film was directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo, who, of course, are famous for their contributions in the MCU. When the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopath psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head setting off a global manhunt by international assassins this movie is anchored by ryan gosling chris evans hey chris evans again anna de armis billy bob thornton jessica henwick uh danush elfrey woodward reggie jean page round out the rest of the cast mike this is a big blockbuster film with a with an a-list cast unfortunately while i was walking watching this i felt like we were just checking off like an action movie bingo card yeah, so this movie is just like I feel like I feel like I was watching like ten different movies I've already seen before, just all somehow put together in this movie with a bunch of different like orange and blue neon coloring lighting. Like it was just, it was weirdly enough a very boring action movie as much as there was great action and you know great great actors and it's just like i don't care nothing about like i I don't know how to put it into words other than just it does everything that you've already seen in every action movie ever and it does it perfectly and you just don't care Mm -hmm. it feels like it's going through the motions it feels like you're watching a poor imitation of better action movies it feels like it's taking like bits and pieces out of a cookbook and then trying to make its own recipe, but it turns out to be uneatable, unedible. You know, it's 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 trying to be one of these globe trotting action, amazing films. And it's trying to do that both through what we're watching on screen and also like stylistically. You just mentioned all the neon like it's it's clearly trying to be like a stylistic movie that has more to it than just action. But it's really just messy. Like you've got the the fight in the fireworks in Bangkok. You've got like dudes fighting with flares on the plane. You've got the end fight is in like the fountain and it's like at dawn or dusk where the, 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 the background sky is like almost overpowering the action that we're watching. And it's like, it's like the Russos were trying to make like this beautiful action, you know, centerpiece but really it just never really came together and it feels like they're trying too hard to create shots that in better films like the john wick movies or the 007 movies that sort of just happened naturally here it felt like they were just trying too hard yeah maybe maybe that's like a good way to put it where it just feels like it's trying to be other movies like because if, if you ask me like if you take any shot in the movie and you tell me hey what's wrong with the shot i'd be like nothing like you know like there's nothing wrong with it it's just it just doesn't feel like there's a heart to it and it feels like a really picky thing to judge a movie for but i guess what i'm trying to say is if you if you don't care about the characters like then it doesn't matter how pretty it looks how how well directed it is um it just you don't care and i think that's what happened with me in this movie i just i didn't care about it like I, I thought Chris Evans had some really Chris Evans really tried. He made some really funny, weird like lines work for him. He was clearly uh, having fun. <laughs> yeah, like he just went for it and yeah, you know, good, yeah, you know, good for him. Good for Chris Evans, but it just 
I don't know. I, th- I just thought the movie was exciting in the most boring way. Like I, yeah. I don't know. See, like I, I didn't even think like like when you you mentioned that you didn't have an issue with any of the shots. Like I'll mention the fireworks thing. It just felt over the top to me. Like the opening scene, they're like getting get knocked onto this balcony, and there's like this New Year's celebration going on in the background. And like I'm trying to focus on this fight, and all I can see is like a million fireworks going off in the background. And it didn't feel like it added to the set piece. It just felt like it was there to try and be stylistic. And and even like this movie, something that should be simple, like some of the action was fine. But like the fight choreography, and I don't know if you realize this or if you noticed it, but to me, it looked like rigid and robotic. Again, I don't I don't know if that was like a style choice where they're sort of it seemed like they were sort of slowing up and, and then like speeding up. But it, it almost felt like two robots were fighting sometimes. And like I said, maybe it was a style choice, but it was just too much for me. Like I want when I'm watching a movie that has martial arts or any sort of hand to hand combat in it, I want it to be fluid like in John Wick or Shang-Chi. Or even everything everywhere all at once had great hand-to-hand combat. Like in this movie, it just felt rigid to me. It didn't feel like it was natural. I don't know. It felt like the actors were going through the motion. Like they literally were like, it looked like they were like in their practice rounds, but they were the camera was actually rolling. I don't know if you noticed that, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I like I I wonder what the behind the scenes story about this is because everyone in it is super talented. Like I, the Russo brothers are amazing directors. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anya Day Moss. Like everyone, everyone in this movie is good. Uh, I just I don't know something about it. It's just so soulless and just cookie cutter action movie that has no heart to it. Speaking of heart, Mike, did you know the little girl has a pacemaker? Because if you miss that, they only told you told you about fourteen times within the movie. It's almost like that was going to be a key part of the plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that little girl, Julia Butters, though, do you know? Do you recognize her from anything? Uh, Julia Butters, the actress. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. She was the little girl who was opposite Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We were just like oh. going gushing over. Oh, that was such a good scene. Oh, that's her. <laughs> yeah, same oh, actress. Okay. So she's yeah. uh she's obviously still uh getting jobs there. <laughs> so she's on her way to the top. I thought it was interesting at the end where she's like, No, don't leave me, don't leave me. Ah, like crying so desperate. And then just suddenly he's like, Hey, I have to go. And then she's like in her strength moment, kick his ass. It's like you just went from being like, Please don't leave me to like Oh, I totally get it, man. Like that was very quick. Like the one uh, aspect of this film that I did enjoy was the globe trotting because it, it does go all over the place. And I love traveling and there's so many places in the world that I'm never going to get to. So I, that is one aspect that I do love about these big action movies is, you know, they'll jump around to like four or five different locations throughout. And you can usually stage unique set pieces based on where you're at in the world. So, uh, and this movie jumped around all over the place. So I did at least appreciate it for that. You know, there was some cool locales. I thought it was a kind of a, a cool nod to, to, you know, finish it off in like a maze. You know, obviously The Shining is famous for doing that. But, uh, you know, there's something about a, a hedge maze that is just eerie and a great spot to film like a climax. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also just want to say, I don't think either of us have read the book. No, I'm not familiar with the source material at all. So... So if it's accurate to the book, I have no idea, but there's a book about this. So apparently it's a series, but uh, what grade would you give it? C plus B minus. 
Yeah, I'm at a five and a half out of ten, which is disappointing for a movie with this budget, with this cast, with these, with this talent behind the cameras. And you know, the Russos are obviously very talented. I love them. I'll love them forever for what they did in the MCU. I mean, yeah. but like you know, now I've seen a few of their movies that are you know outside the MCU. I don't know if you ever saw Twenty One Bridges with Chadwick Boseman. It was similar to this, where there's a lot of good stuff going on. There's talented people on screen. There's some good ideas and decent action set pieces, at least on paper. But for some reason, it didn't come together to a cohesive story uh, that I really liked. So for me, the Russos, you know, non-MCU Russos uh, still have a lot left to be desired, in my opinion. They were involved in producing Everywhere, Everywhere, or Everything, what is it called? Everything, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. once. Yeah. Yeah. They were involved in producing that. So I guess I'll give them some credit for that. But uh, outside of the MCU, I feel like these guys could be doing a little better. That's well, don't you know. forget they also were directors and producers on Arrested Development and Community, which no, they're obviously talented. I'm my, not trying to say my that. favorite comedy shows of the last 20 years, but yeah, I agree. There's something their their latest action movies are just not I don't know not landing for some reason. Plenty of time to reboot <clears throat> for them though. They're obviously going to get plenty of opportunities to make more films. So that's uh, the Gray Man. It's on Netflix. A uh, little bit of a disappointment for me and Mike, but. Uh, you know, probably still worth watching if you're looking for a, a popcorn flick to throw on. Just a little bit disappointing. So let's keep chugging along here, Mike, to a film that I do not think was disappointing at all. In fact, it's one of my favorite of the year so far. It's Jordan Peele's latest, and it's called Nope. Uh, this film centers on a the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California who bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. As I said, this film was written and directed by Jordan Peele. It's his third feature-length film following up on the successes of Get Out and Us. Daniel Kaluuya, uh, also from Get Out, reprises his role, or uh, is the main character here as O.J. Haywood. Kiki Palmer, Brandon Perez, Michael Wincott, Stephen Yoon uh, is also in this movie. Stephen Yoon, of course, of uh, Walking Dead fame and noted Detroit Red Wings fan. Let's go, baby. Uh, But Mike, (laughs) uh, this movie, you know, I didn't know what... I didn't watch the trailer. I saw the trailer. It was more of a teaser trailer. It doesn't really give anything away. So I was instantly intrigued by this because I've, I've liked, I especially liked get out. Us was a little more mixed for me, but we can talk about that. Maybe comparing uh, those movies to this, but I was instantly intrigued when I saw the trailer for this, but going in, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know which direction it was going to go. And man, oh man, does it punch you right in the face from the opening scene? Mm hmm. Yeah, so this is uh, this is a very interesting movie where it's an it's a UFO movie, but it's not really an alien movie. But it could be. But you don't really ever officially know, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, right off the bat, the opening of this movie just shows weird things happening, and uh, you know, just it's spooky. This is a Jordan Peele's got a great edge for directing and creating the vibe of spooky on a camera. And this is definitely I would call it unsettling. Yeah, that's what I would call it. Yeah, this definitely has that in it. But I will say the premise is a little like strange. And I don't think the premise always lines up with, with the story, but it's still always interesting. So the idea is that there's this this ranch where they they use horses for film and TV. They're descended from uh, the the first ever rider who's ever the first like the first motion picture. It's that scene of the uh, the rider on the horse. Um, 
and so this ranch uh, starts noticing that some weird things are happening, like things are falling out of the sky. And uh, then they, they start to realize that they're seeing like a flying saucer going around. It's devouring horses and spitting out debris. And then they start realizing that the UFO isn't really a UFO. It's a creature that basically has the appearance of a UFO and it's just hunting. So the UFO is not like the vehicle for aliens. The UFO is just maybe the alien itself, but then no, it's not an alien. It's like a creature and they call it jean jacket. And then it turns into its ultimate form, which is like a jellyfish thing. And it's supposed, I think it's, I read it's supposed to be the idea of a, of a biblical description of an angel. And uh, yeah, it's just the, the, the monster in this is a little, still mysterious even by the end of the film you're like i'm not really sure what it was supposed to represent who it was supposed to represent uh but there's a lot of different things in it that that are interesting to keep you watching um and i definitely think this the cgi of that saucer the way it moves and everything it's it's really well done but you know by the end of it i just didn't really know like what was that like when, when you finish get out you're like oh my god like what a masterpiece of storytelling and like what a powerful lesson about like race and, and, you know, inequality and all these things. And with this one, I was like, I don't really know what this one was about. Even like the opening quote, I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you a vile, make you vile and make you a spectacle. Mayhem three, six. It's like, what did that verse have to do with anything in this story? I understand the well, idea, he, of but it's, here's it my thought. Me, it was hard for me to understand. Like, what did I just watch when that movie was done? Here's my thought. I think, what it's what it's getting at is sort of something that we've sort of talked about on this pod is sort of um, it's obviously about spectacle, but I think it's about humanity's fascination with tragedy or, or evil things. So like Stephen Yoon, for example, he's the, you know, he was the child actor on the show where the, the Gordy tragedy happened. Right. So he has this shrine to like all the infamous stuff that happened on that show. So he's profiting off of it. He's, he's trying to use his roadside attraction, you know, by capturing the monster. So it's, I think it, and I think this links to our conversation about like true crime docs, Mike, where, um, where humans can't help, but look at stuff that's tragedy. You know, they can't help, but, but embrace things that are bad or sad. And I think this movie sort of does that in a, a super direct way, whether it's, you know, Gordy, the the chimp being exploited and then finally snapping, or the monster in the sky being exploited for profit in multiple ways. So I, I think that's kind of the idea, and it goes back to the the spectacle uh, quote in the beginning. And then what I also got from it, uh, you know, this could be way off, but I think there's some of like our obs- commentary on our obsession with social media and sort of getting the perfect shot, you know, because in the movie you know, it's this whole thing. They bring in this cinematographer. Their plan is to get rich off getting a shot of the monster. And they end up getting that amazing shot of Daniel Kaluuya riding on the horse and the monster pops up behind it and they get the shot. But then the cinematographer, like the cinematographer is like, Oh no, it's golden hour. Now let's do it again. And so like, you know, and we see him like want to get the shot. He He just gets so nuts that he's willing to literally get eaten. Uh, by the by the thing so to me it's sort of like this over-the-top representation of what people are willing to do to uh, you know get the perfect shot and you know obviously it's over the top here but seriously how many times are you like scrolling the internet or or you know looking at reels or 
whatever it is. And you see people doing like ridiculous, crazy things like hanging off a cliff or jumping off something or doing something ridiculous just to get that perfect shot, you know, to do it for the gram, so to speak, just so they can post it online. So to me, you know, that's represented in this by, you know, like I said, the cinema, cinema photographer, you got the TMZ guy who's like breaks every bone in his body and still all he cares about is his camera. You know, so I think it's just like this over the top, ridiculous, satirical look at our obsession, both with tragedy and also our obsession with documenting things along that line. But that's just kind of how I read it. I think I think with with Jordan Peele, what we've found both in Get Out and especially more with us is he always has a lot of really good ideas going on. There's Mm -hmm. always a lot going on, but sometimes I think it gets too big for his own good. And at times it doesn't fully connect in a cohesive way but it's obvious that he makes movies with intent. Yeah. I, I technically haven't seen up yet. So, or not us. Uh, us sorry. Uh, up. I've seen first 10 <laughs> minutes. Someone Pixar's best work. Uh, no, I, I really like Jordan Peele as a creator. And I think he's, I, I think we're like, we haven't even seen like his best stuff yet. I really, really am hopeful um, for what he's going to, keep creating but yeah like i like your interpretation a lot uh that that makes a lot more sense to me <laughs> i think i like the movie better now actually from the way you explained it right like it's um, i i had to do the same thing and and so, you know i was like the social media stuff has really got me because they're like freaking out about you know the getting the shot and stuff but i'm like going back to my point about peel's stuff messaging sort of getting muddled like you know race is almost always a theme in his movies and i guess mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that here um, you know, because they're obviously descendants from the guy on the horse. Um, yeah. And so in Us and Get Out is more explicitly about race, you know. Us, but, oh, yeah. but like if I think Very back nice. to Us and Get It Out, I'm like, I'm like, right. So those they obviously had a lot going on thematically. But like if you told me to tell you the themes of those movies right now, I might have a hard time like articulating it on the spot. I mean, I know I reviewed Us on this mo- on this podcast, so I'm sure I got into it there. But like they're just so dense that sometimes it's hard to portray what you're actually thinking about, you know? Yeah. He definitely does give you a lot to think about with this movie. Like I remember thinking like when I, when I left and I was, uh, Catherine and I, we went and saw it in theater and we were talking about it over dinner. And I realized like, we're talking about this movie. Not a lot of movies do you sit and talk about when, when they're done. You're just like, yeah, I like this. I like that. But with this movie, we were dialoguing like, what do you think this meant? Or what do you think about this? Or, you know, even just concepts of aliens and stuff like this movie will probably make you have discussions, which I think is is pretty cool. Um, But yeah, I I just don't know that this is my favorite movie of his. Um, and And I don't know that whatever the themes are, that everything always lines up, particularly just because with the whole theme with the chimp, right who killed the people there was definitely a theme like you said of you know we forced these things into tragedies like you know we mistreated this chimp and then this chimp lashes out and we had to shoot it It it's tragedy but now with this thing you know yes this guy's exploiting this oh look at there's a big creature in the sky and now it's hurting all these other people and then when she has to kill the thing it should probably be seen as like, oh, it's tragedy. It's just like the chimp. But yet it's treated more triumphant. And I, I guess that's where maybe I'm like, I don't know if that actually lines up with the theme. Uh, yeah. We're trying to, it's like, we want her to get the perfect shot. We want her to kill this thing. 
And it's like, well, if the whole point of those things are a tragedy, then why is the movie making us care and root for that so much? Like, I don't know. Like, I, it's it's still an interesting movie, and there's a lot of great stuff about it. It's just I'm not sure everything for it lines up for me with whatever. Like, what was I digesting with it? Yeah, no, I, I can understand that, and and no, I totally get it. And that's the case with a lot of his movies, is you know that he's he's made these with very purposeful intent and commentary out in the mind, but sometimes the execution isn't fully there. And that's kind of the case here as well. But I did enjoy watching this movie a lot. Like even when I didn't understand what it was going for or how the chimp related or how the roadside attraction related to this quest to get the monster on camera, I was still enjoying watching it because the acting was great. Uh, The movie looked great. I mean, the, the, the the it the looks amazing the way he captured the gulch and the yeah. the lonely farmhouse in the ravine and yeah. the shots at night and particularly the shots when he's on the horse and the monster pops up i thought that it was all really well done i mean the movie looks awesome and it's definitely thought and uh, thought provoking which i i really appreciated that especially when you compare this to like just think about the gray man and think about like the lighting in that movie and how forced and like neon everything like the, the lighting in this movie just feels natural enjoyable uh the way they do the shots of the the ufo moving in and out of the clouds and up and down and the like sound it's, it's the so sounds. good it, the like clicking or whatever yeah. yeah oh that's really uh, good every time daniel kaluuya just like looked at the camera and went nope like i don't know yeah. about you but my audience lost it like we would just laugh every single yeah, time he same. did that. Like, yes, he said the title of the movie in the movie. Always a crowd pleaser. Let's this go. Is a, I also really do enjoy the title. That is just nope. Like, and it's yeah. oh, why yeah. is it that? And I guess people had like, oh, it must be an acronym for something. But he was like, no, it's just the reaction. I'm like, nope, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, it's just something so like tragic or yeah. tough to look at that it's like, nope, not doing or, it. But even though you're gonna do it anyways, you know. So yeah. I, I think that all, I really do think that's sort of the central idea here is our fascination with tragedy. We talk about it all the time, reviewing these true crime docs, how we have mixed feelings about, you know, how it could be exploitive towards the families or the people who actually went through it. And yet we as a culture, I mean, every single freaking day, a new one's popping up on Netflix. You know, it's yeah. like we're clearly fascinated by death and murder. And when a tragedy happens, uh, you know, like a, a school shooting or something, what is the first thing everyone does? Pop on the news, you know, and just watch it all day. You know, it's like, it's, it is a weird dynamic of the human condition. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think about the movie in that perspective. I, I didn't think about that more. You've given me stuff to think about. What a, what a good podcast this is. We're even the hosts <laughs> are like learning. Yeah. Hey, that's the well, point, man. We're much. supposed to, we're, we're supposed to bounce ideas off each other. And obviously we're, we're two different people. So you know, we take away different things from different movies. So, yeah. you know, we, we have our, our experiences inform the way we look at movies. That's why I've liked having you on the pod because me and Evan, you know, back in the day, you know, we grew up in the same town. We had the same friends, very similar upbringing. So I felt like we always had a lot of the same sort of opinions or takeaways from movies and bringing you on has definitely helped bring some more nuance. So definitely appreciate, uh, appreciate that because not everyone's going to get the same thing out of the same movies. Yeah, and it's also good. Like, it's also good to remember that your opinion is just your opinion. Like, someone else may have a different opinion. It's okay. Like, our these are just like, hey, we saw this movie once. Here's what we can. Here's generally what we thought. Like, we are not trying to, you know, say this is all art ever, everywhere. Every single movie should be like, you know, judged by these standards of our podcast. Like, you know, it's just no. Yeah, this is just fun to talk about movies. You know, like just one perspective. 
Yeah, and our perspectives will change. Like I remember there was a movie I didn't like when I was a kid, and as an adult, I love the movie, and you know that's fine. Like it's just our opinion on the movie. It's not our opinion about everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you like the Gray Man, that's great. Good that's for great, you. Man. Yeah, Leave that's great. That's Gray Man. That's Gray Man. It's gray Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got anything? Did you grade Nope? I gave the I gave Nope an eight out of ten as well. I I really enjoyed it. It was a fun time at the theater. I'll give it a B. Yeah. This is solid. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Second Day Film Podcast. We're in at a smooth 50 minutes, Mike. Nice work. We said we wanted to be under an hour, and that's what we did. So uh, quality work there. Um, But, yeah, we appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, Like I said, you can check out our old episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We'll be coming at you with some new reviews here soon. Uh, We might have to do another Marvel episode soon, Mike, because – we haven't done Thor. We haven't. Uh, we both watched Miss Marvel, and now we got She-Hulk is airing uh, on Disney Plus. Like Marvel, man, they just gotta chill out, you know? Like <laughs> holy cow! Like I, I can't handle all this. And then we got, you know, you and me as fantasy nerds, we got Rings of Power and House of the Dragon coming out in the next month. Like holy cow! I am fired up. We are gonna be swimming in yeah. in fantasy content here. Well, soon. and let's of course not forget Persuasion on Netflix. The Jane Austen uh, yeah. that we both watched. Yeah, I wish I didn't watch that, but uh... <laughs> Well, maybe uh, that's our, maybe that's our review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um anyways, let's get out of here. Again, appreciate everyone for listening. Hit us up if you got questions or comments. Um, But Mike, it was good to talk to you as always. We'll get together soon here in the next few weeks. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies.